Good morning. I'm Pastor Paul Whitus, and I serve here on our care team as a care pastor. Today I'll be reading from Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22 through Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself, alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Well, let me greet you this morning. My name is Jim College. I'm part of the pastoral staff here, and it's a really a privilege for me to be able to share on this New Year's Day. Um, 2023, who would have thought? Uh, certainly not me. I keep thinking, I wonder if I'm going to make it to the next year. But uh, there's a part of you when you get older, for those people sitting here that are old like me, uh, there is an anxiousness. It's, and please, don't hear this as morbid. There's a, there's a longing uh, to be with the Lord. And yet, as the Apostle Paul clearly states in the Scripture, it is apparently an advantage for us to remain. So glad you're here. For those of you who are watching online, thank you for tuning in. Pastor Paul did a great job of reading that passage of Scripture from the book of Galatians. Galatians is a very interesting book. Um, it is... Um, it is considered perhaps the most harsh letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. In fact, Jerome, a, a, late, um, a late third century, early, or I'm sorry, fourth century, early fifth century church leader, he was called the doctor of the church, he said whenever he read the book of Galatians, he said, I heard thunder. One commentator I read recently said that, said that uh, the book of Galatians is considered by many the bad-tempered book. And so, so I, am, I am always intrigued by the book of Galatians. In fact, it's piqued my, both my biblical and theological curiosity, and, and so I have chosen it for this standalone sermon as we enter into the new year. And, and I want to interweave the the aspect of care, not just the ministry of care that's carried out here at Christ Community Chapel, but the ministry of care that we can have for one another. Because I think oftentimes we forget that as the body of Christ, together, we, we come alongside, we, we link arms with one another, we, we, we help one another, we we bear one another's burdens, and we'll look at that in just a moment. 
But before we do, uh, I'd like to pray. And if you'll join me, please, Father, this is your book. And as I try to handle it, I pray that you allow me to do so with accuracy and clarity. Uh, Father, if I am a fool as I do this, then that's okay, but I would really like to do well. So God, will you speak? Speak through your book. Use me as a tool in any way you like. And I ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, I'm going to go back and just read, just to kind of catch us up, because as, as Paul read, Pastor Paul read, it, it's hard to find the place to land here. So if you open your Bibles or open up your uh, phones, if you have a, a, a device that, that has the Bible on it, you can go to Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to start in, in verse 16 just to catch us up. He makes a contrast here. The Apostle Paul makes a contrast, and he says, But I say, after he's mentioned all these other things that come before about freedom in Christ, about the the struggle of the Christian life, and and something of a a rebuke to the Galatians for their tossing back and forth, he says, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh." For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, revelries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then, as Pastor Paul read, but the fruit of the Spirit. What a great introduction. I'm going to give you, and I, <laughs> sorry for laughing at myself, I really wanted to come up with just two points or four points. And even sitting in my office early this morning, I thought of a way to add a fourth point, but it just didn't work. So I've got three. (laughs) And I'll give you three words that you can hang your thoughts on. Learn, leverage, leave. Learn who you are because of Jesus. Leverage what you are because of Jesus and leave a legacy because of what you are in Jesus. I think that's what Paul is doing here. Let's start, first of all, with learn. In those, from verse 18 to verse 21, he talks about if you're led by the Spirit. And then he contrasts this whole aspect of what is not of the Spirit and I think it's important that we, we understand that because this is something that plagues every one of us. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, this plagues all of us, these things. They're, they're, I grouped them into to four different categories. The first is uh, violations of morality. He mentions um, 
uh, sexual immorality, sensuality, anything that is, is opposed to the purity of the human body, violations of morality, and then violations of, of the faith when he speaks about idolatry and slavery to those, he uses the word sorcery, it's, it's looking into the dark things of, of the world. And then violations of uh, societal propri- propriety, the way we interact with others. It begins with the, the, the idea of enmity and then ends with envying. Those are all part of, of interacting with one another. And then finally, it is violations of personal dignity, drunkenness, revelry, orgies. You see, all of us get, get drawn into those kind of things, one or the other, or maybe some of us may be struggling with a number of them. Violations of morality, violations of the faith, violations of societal propriety, and violations of personal dignity. They touch everyone, and Paul is going after this. He does so with somewhat of an edge, In fact, as I went through the book of Galatians, and I mentioned earlier that one one commentator called this the bad-tempered book because even in the grammatical structure of the book of of Galatians, Paul has this this sarcasm. Um, He he attacks them with, with harshness because he is so upset with the direction they're going. In fact, J.B. Phillips, in his translations, translates Galatians chapter 3 when it says, says my, my dear Galatians, he says, he translates it, my dear idiots. And I think it's an accurate translation of the original text because what he's trying to say to them, don't go this way. Don't add all this this weight to who you have become in the person of Jesus Christ. Learn about that. That's why then he turns to what was to what now is when he begins to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. It seems like when he says this, he says, if you are led by the Spirit, then you will walk in the Spirit. Now, just a little bit about your salvation and mine. There is some point in your life where you were confronted, convicted, that you were sinful. That's done by the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit convicts you and me of our sin. And at that point, points us to Jesus Christ who can redeem us, who can forgive us, who can restore us to the relationship that God intended for us to have. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives, in our hearts. He is the permanent indwelling. He is, in fact, Ephesians calls him the, the guarantor, the guarantee of our salvation. 2 Corinthians does the same thing when Paul speaks in chapter 5 when he says that we have the Spirit who is the promise. 
So the Holy Spirit takes up residence and begins to do renewal in our minds. So what I, when I come back to Galatians, what I want you to understand that if you are if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, therefore, you are producing, listen carefully, you are producing the fruit, not the fruits. Please don't make that mistake. It's not a pick and choose. Granted, some might be a little more healthy on that fruit of the Spirit tree, but it is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. And that is the natural outcropping of the indwelling in the Holy Spirit. So if you're doing a self-check, and I would urge you to do that, don't start nudging one another and saying, yeah, you, you're not very good at that. It's you. It's me. It's, it's time for us to look at ourselves, not somebody across the street or, or next to us in the, in the pew or, or someone that we have a, a, at odds with, but me. He said, then, if I am indwelt by the Spirit, then these things are true. And I, and I think these are bundled in threes. <laughs> there it is again. Oh, boy, Joe. Um, love, joy, peace. That's the Christian mindset. That describes, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in you, in your mind, in the way that you think with, with love, joy, and peace. These words are not used as, as active verbs, but they're rather used as descriptives of how we think, how we feel. Love, joy. That's happiness that's independent of circumstances. It's peace. That's the settled down in the heart. And then he comes to the second three, patience and kindness and goodness. That's, that's the Christian interchange. That's how we, on a horizontal level, that's how we interchange with one another, with, with patience. That's, that's putting up with when you don't think you can any longer. That's the difficult things. It's not waiting in traffic. It's the really hard things. Kindness and goodness. Goodness is always thinking about the other, the benefit of the others. What, are, what am I? What benefit do I bring to the mix in the body of Christ? And then the last three, faithfulness and gentleness and self control. That's my conduct. Faithfulness. Faithfulness first to the one who bought me and redeemed me, and then faithfulness to my fellow believers, my family, and gentleness. I love the definition I've heard for years. It's power under control. It's the ability to master anybody, but to use that in the proper way. It's been a long time since I've held infant grandchildren. 
I remember the day when my firstborn grandchildren, my twin grandsons were born, and, and I did what most grandfathers do. I became obnoxious. And I even had my son-in-law bring them backstage here, and I carried them out in front of those who were in the congregation that day. Uh, I'm an obnoxious grandparent. But they were small. In fact, they were born prematurely, and they were so tiny. And I'm a pretty large man. And I could have used one hand to hurt either one of them. But gentleness, gentleness always protects. Gentleness always caresses. Gentleness always makes sure that no harm comes. And then self-control. That's simply the right use of power. Whether that is political power, whether that's spiritual power, whether that's physical power. That's self-control. Of these things, there's no law against them. So as the Spirit of God grows that fruit in you, as it protrudes from you, Rejoice in it and employ it. He says this. He says, against such things there are no law and those who belong to Christ. Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. Now, if you get nothing else, I want you to get this. If you leave here with nothing else from this sermon, get this. Listen to these words again. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I wonder how many people here on this New Year's Day are thinking, I do this battle with sin. I do this battle with those things that you just talked about. Shouldn't I be over that? Listen to what he says here. Those who belong to Christ have crucified. You know what crucifixion does? It hangs life on a cross and allows it to linger. The, what God is doing in you and me is as we submit to him, we crucify the flesh. In fact, he does that but yet, life lingers, does it not? And that's why so often we try to, we try to pull ourselves off. And he says, no, keep it there. It's dying. That's why he uses this so beautifully here. Paul is trying to tell them, don't look for something else because that's what they were doing. They were looking, they were looking for if they just, if they simply reinitiate themselves in, in Judaism, some form that they could, they could put up a list of things that they could do. And he's saying, no, 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 don't you understand? If you belong to Christ, you've crucified the flesh. Yes, it lingers, but it will die. 
Don't take it off. That's why then we can go to my next point, which is leveraging what we have when he, he says, listen, if, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let me put it positively like this. Instead of conceit, do what he said in Philippians chapter 2 when he wrote these words, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. You're much more important than me. I want to learn that. And then he says, instead of provoking, do this. Therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up. To the Thessalonians, he said, just as you are doing. And then instead of envying, I love what he says in Romans chapter 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep. Weep with those who weep. That's harder than it sounds, isn't it? To rejoice with those who rejoice on, in the simplest, in the temporal things. I want to I get excited. I want to rejoice with you. I want to rejoice when something comes into your life that is, that is good, that is right. Even if it's temporal, even if it's, if it's just a thing, I want to be able to rejoice with you. Even if it's something that I would love to have for myself. But I need to learn to rejoice. But I also need to weep. When you're sad, I need to somehow feel, understand your sadness. The care team tries to do that in so many ways. Not, not a false kind of sadness, but an empathetic and sympathetic way. He even gives this hypothetical situation here when he says, uh, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual. By the way, that's sarcasm again. It really is. I'd like to make it softer. I'd like to make it nicer. But he's, he's going, you're not. All of you are, as he writes to the Galatians, all of you are arrogant. All of you are uppity. But he gives this hypothetical, and he says, if anyone is, is caught in a transgression, that word is a, a misstep. It's, it's not a, a rebellious act, but rather a misstep. He says, if anyone's caught in a transgression, you are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That whole idea of restoring comes from a, a secular Greek way of, of resetting a bone. 
it's done for the, the health of the individual, but sometimes there can be pain involved, but there's also a covering of it. The restoration is not necessarily exposing it to everything, but rather covering it with tenderness and gentleness and, and carefulness. At the same time, he says, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Then he goes on to say this. Bear one another's burdens. Every one of us encounters time in our life where you just need somebody not to make things better, but to just put a shoulder under and help. Our family has, this past year, has gone through a couple of really difficult circumstances, and some of you are aware it's, it's not important what it was. It was hard. But there were little things where many of you came and, and, and put a shoulder under. Or, or maybe just a hand to hold for a minute. But it's that idea, it's not just one person. It's, it's not just, well, okay, there's, there's somebody that, that's already, it's all, everyone responding. When you know it, you, you come along and say, can you use a shoulder? Can you use an arm? Maybe, maybe if I lift with my legs, I can help better. But there has to be participation with one another. There has to be an investment with one another. There, but there, you have to see it rightly. It, it isn't just coming without understanding. It's thinking, what has God given me where I can come alongside, where I can help? I remember when automobiles were easy to work on. Um, and I don't know, you have to kind of be old to remember these things, and some of you really don't care at all. But I remember when Chevrolet invented what they called the throttle body uh, carburetor. Well, old carburetors used to have little, little flap valve that if it wouldn't start, you could spray ether in and then it would start. You old people remember that. Well, when they got this throttle body, it just, I don't know what, it was just like welded shut. It looked like, and I still thought you could open it, so I'm, I've got this car that won't start, and I got a, oh, I apologize to those who taught me how to work with the right tools. I had a screwdriver and a hammer trying to open that up. <laughs> that didn't work. The point being is that you got to know what you're working with. You have to do so properly. 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's a, fra- there's a verse that says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Sometimes you have to admonish. Sometimes you have to correct what is wrong. Other times you simply need to speak well to encourage. Other times you just have to help. You have to wrap tight with your arms or with your words. But you have to be patient in all circumstances. That's how to leverage who you have become in Christ. But lastly and quickly, what are you going to leave? There's just this very short phrase where he says, For if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each of you, one of you test his own work, and then his reason to, bo- be boast, to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Very quickly this. Do a self-examination. Do, look inside. Best way to do that is to pray a prayer that's found in, in the Psalms. It simply says this. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. Ask God to do that. Just that. But only do so if you're willing for him to do it, because when he does, he will reveal just who you are, what you are, and how you think. And don't compare yourself. If you're going to leave a legacy, don't compare. I, I, listen, I'm probably the most guilty of that. I, I confess. I, I when I had the opportunity to preach, I was thinking, I wonder if I can do as well as Joe. I wonder if I can do as well as Zach. I'm me. I'm just me. That's all I am. And I compare myself only to me. I, comparison is always harmful, either in two ways. It says I'm better than everybody else or I can't do anything right. It's, that's the only thing, two ways you go. So don't compare. Because nothing, to borrow a song that Prince wrote, nothing compares with you. (laughs) I was going to perform it, but... Each one of you will bear your own load. By the way, that word used there for your load is different than the burden. It's a word for like a backpack. It's what God has given you. It's what you will be held accountable for at the great judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. It's not the great white throne. It's the Bema seat. It's where we'll have to give an account for what God has done, has given us, and how we've used those. Listen, let me just leave you with this. If you're going to invest in the body of Christ, and if you are a member of the body of Christ, you are... Yes, I use this on purpose. You are obligated. You are obligated to invest yourself in the body of Christ. If you cannot do it here, find somewhere that you can. And do this. Lift up one another. Hold up one another. And continue 
to build up one another so that people see Jesus in you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word and for its truth. I pray, God, that these few moments that we have spent together will convict, will affirm, and will teach us who we are because of Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you have done and what you are doing and what you are going to do as we allow the Spirit to lead us as we become more like Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.